Welcome to the Hello Sunday podcast with me, Nikki Hyden. This is the podcast that discusses everything self-development, spirituality and sobriety. And it wouldn't be me without a little sprinkling of humour. Whether you were just starting out on your journey of self-development or have been exploring these topics for years, are completely alcohol-free or just curious about living a more sober lifestyle, this is the podcast for you. Each week, I'll be exploring topics in both solo episodes and with some amazing guest experts. So if you like what you hear, then please subscribe, rate and review. So with that said, let's dive into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to episode two of Hello Sunday. Before we start today's episode, I do just need to add that I am in no way, shape or form a medical practitioner. And if you are alcohol dependent or suspect that you might be, then please do consult your GP or a medical practitioner before removing alcohol from your life. So episode number two, and I'd just like to start off by saying thank you so much to everyone that listened last week. Thank you so much to everyone who has messaged in messages of support, messaged in topics that they would like to see covered in future episodes. Today's topic is actually one that quite a few people have kind of requested and um it's the one that I've been most frequently asked about over the last few months and certainly at the start of the year when I first kind of started on my journey into sobriety and um, reducing alcohol so it's going to be some top tips for kind of early sobriety and for launching into either cutting back on alcohol or having a stint being sober. Um, I did call it top 10 tips. I have realized since that I've only actually done nine. So um, someone buy this girl an abacus and I'm going to tag on an extra tip at the end of the nine that I'd already planned on speaking about um, so that there are 10 tips because my little OCD brain will just not let me put an odd number out. <laughs> I'm sure some people can relate. So let's launch straight into it because there's quite a lot to cover. So tip number one, and I think to be honest, um, this is probably the most important tip. And actually, I must add, whilst I agree with all of these tips and all of this advice, and it is kind of lived experience from my part, I did reach out to a couple of groups that I'm in. So um, I'm in a really fantastic Facebook support group um, and also a WhatsApp group of kind of sober recruiters and recruiters that don't drink, um, which actually is really rare. I think recruitment's probably one of the only um, careers, certainly in the UK at least, where drinking and alcohol-related activities are, they make up the majority of kind of like the social events and the occasions and, and the incentives. Um, so yeah, like a decade ago, you'd have been hard pushed to find a sober recruiter, certainly in the UK, like I say. But um, 
And there seems to be more of a movement now, I think just in general, but certainly, you know, within um, that particular um, sort of set of people and career because it's just, you know, it does affect people's mental health. And I've seen a lot of people in recruitment fall um, fall down and, yeah, really struggle and suffer because of their levels of drinking. Um, so some of these tips have been... Um, I've had input from other people and other groups. Um, but this first one is definitely the foundation of not even just quitting alcohol or cutting back on alcohol, but any habit change, really. And it is having a strong why. So understanding why you are doing something and really connecting to that is really going to put you in good stead when your motivation wanes, when you're faced with situations that could be quite triggering or may test your resilience. Um, There's a really great book by a guy called Simon Sinek, which I read a few years ago now, and it's called Start With Why. And it it basically is around this whole topic of, you know, really having a great connection to why you're doing something, why you want that habit change. Now, for me, my why was very much based, well, it was twofold, really. It was based on starting my business. So in January this year, I launched into um, my own ethical recruitment business and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to get to this point in the year and know that I hadn't put absolutely everything into making it a success. And I guess really looking back on, you know, the first few months of the year, I wanted to be able to say that I'd put my everything into it, that I had done whatever it was going to take to make it successful. And then if it wasn't successful, then at least I knew that there wasn't anything that I'd have regrets about. Um, and drinking, it wasn't something that I did in the week. So I've never really been a big weekday drinker unless there was maybe a friend's birthday or a celebration or, or something like that. Um, I'd have like the odd glass of wine, but it certainly wasn't um, something that, I, I mean, I didn't really have many weekends where I didn't drink alcohol. Um, And certainly, you know, there was quite a few weekends, probably two a month where it'd be to excess. So, you know, more than probably five or six drinks, it'd be either on a night out or it'd be with friends or family um, and just get carried away. I think, you know, like I said in the last episode, it's, it's sort of ingrained in British culture almost. So for me, I knew that starting the week fresh, starting the week with, you know, energy levels that were going to carry me through, going to have really good productivity. I needed to stop drinking in order to do that. So that was my main why. The other reason for me was, and again, I mentioned this in the last episode, I'm in a group that does something called the 100 Day Challenge. And that is twice a year, we will do a stint of 100 days And we will put down goals that we want to achieve in all different areas of our life. So that could be health and fitness. It could be um, work. It could be um, like house renovation projects, financial. It could be anything. 
And for the 100-day period, we do a weekly check-in with each other and we will congratulate each other on the wins. But we will also discuss, you know, if there's things that aren't working, quite often we'll give each other advice. Um, And my health and fitness was the one thing that consistently I was falling short on and not hitting those goals. And it was predominantly because... Each week, I was having to stack my health goals and my fitness goals towards the end of the week. So, like, weeks, um, uh, gym sessions even, at the end of the week, getting all my steps in at the end of the week. And it's because I was tired from the weekend, having gone out, having drank, even if it wasn't to excess, but, you know, it disrupts sleep. It um, makes you tired. Um, Sometimes it's not even that kind of physically noticeable but for me I was definitely not firing on all cylinders on a Monday morning and I knew that that wasn't something that I was going to be able to um, continue with starting my business so health and fitness and also kind of business um, goals were my why but you know it could be anything it could be physical health mental health it could be your relationships with the people around you it could be wanting to watch your kids grow up or your grandkids there's so many reasons why people choose to cut down on alcohol or go sober but whatever yours is you need to really connect with that and you need to have a really really strong foundation so that you know, if you are faced with situations that test your sobriety, you can come back to that and think, well, no, this is more important to me. These reasons are, you know, they far outweigh the fun that I'm going to have for the next few hours drinking. So tip number two is to stay busy. So look at the occasions or the times when you're normally most likely to drink. So for me, that was weekends so uh, Friday evening Saturday evening and in the summer more so also weekday uh, sorry weekend days so like Saturday days so it might be that we would go shopping and then we would end up grabbing a drink and that would go from like a you know a shopping expedition into a day drinking session um it might be that I'd meet friends for lunch and then that would turn into drinking so for me keeping busy and making plans and making them specifically around the times when you would normally drink was really important especially in those first few weeks where you are you know finding your groove and getting into it and having a complete mindset shift. So it might sound a bit sad to some of you, but Friday nights are now my cleaning night if I'm at home. So I actually really enjoy cleaning. I really enjoy putting on a podcast and just going through room by room and then waking up on a weekend morning on a Saturday normally and the house is fresh and it smells good and I know that I've got the weekend free to do what I want. So that took up my Friday night and normally by the time I've finished that it's not at a point where I'd normally have started drinking anyway because it's quite late. Um, So for me cleaning has been a really good kind of substitute and fill in something that I've got into the habit of doing on a Friday. Um, 
but you know it could be anything you could take up um the gym you could um decide to join um a running club maybe or just anything that's going to be a hobby i know um some of the people in the facebook group that i'm in for instance do things like they'll um take their dog on an extra long walk or they will um go out and um see a friend but make sure that it's a um a kind of a you know a really sober uh, activity that they're doing um there's so many things that you can do that will replace activities where um alcohol was involved or will stop you from getting bored on those occasions so plan things keep busy make new rituals maybe even just do something like you know a little spa night at home so having um a bath putting on a face mask um just anything that's going to basically take your mind away from the normal habit that you would have of drinking. Now, number three is a little bit of a, I guess it's a tricky one because it's alcohol-free drinks. Now, for me, alcohol-free drinks have been an absolute godsend because they are something that have replaced, um, you know, the normal habit of alcohol. So on a Friday evening, um, when I've finished cleaning, if I do want to drink something or if my husband is drinking, then I'll just grab an alcohol-free beer or maybe an alcohol-free Prosecco. Didn't actually drink that much alcoholic Prosecco when I was drinking, but it's, yeah, I haven't really found a good alcohol-free wine. So if anybody knows of any, I'm all ears. Um... But having something, the Tanqueray 0% gin is actually a really good substitute if you have it with tonic and fresh lime. So that's also a nice one. Um, but yeah, having alcohol-free drinks to hand is a good one. However, what I would add is I've spoken to people that have had more of an issue with alcohol and more of a um, dependency and for them, it's been quite triggering to have something that tastes like alcohol. So each to their own. I think you need to weigh it up in your own mind. And if you need to completely stay away from anything that tastes like alcohol and you know that that is going to be particularly triggering from you, then maybe avoid the alcohol-free substitutes. But for me, um, especially when I've been out on social occasions and events and things where other people are drinking sometimes it's really good just to have an alcohol-free beer or a mocktail or something in your hand because it stops the questions as well I mean that's a whole other episode talking about um questions and perceptions and how to handle friends and family and all that sort of stuff but yeah generally I'd say um having alcohol free drinks to hand as a substitute has made me feel like I'm still kind of involved without actually drinking alcohol so the next tip tip number four is again it's a little bit of a sore point because it's avoiding social occasions now You might think, well, why would I avoid social occasions when, you know, there's going to be social occasions when I'm sober and if I avoid them altogether, then surely when I start um, going back out again, I'm just going to be inclined to drink. But hear me out. 
I'm not saying you need to avoid social occasions forever. And to be honest, I know people that have stopped drinking and have, you know, just jumped straight into all the events and plans that they had the same as when they were drinking. However, for me, the first few weeks of sobriety are or were a real mindset change. And I think just getting your head around ordering different drinks, around um, finding what alcohol-free substitutes, if you're going to use them, work for you. And basically getting yourself into a different place and just finding your groove with it all. For those of you that are regular listeners to the show, or maybe you know me personally, you won't have been able to get away without hearing me talk about Simprove. Simprove is a scientifically backed, water-based probiotic drink. You drink it daily and it has been scientifically proven to help with things like bloating, IBS symptoms, pain. It was actually a dietitian friend of mine that introduced it to me last year and I honestly wouldn't be without it now. It's helped with my energy, with my bloating, it's helped with my immune system and also things like my skin. The list is honestly endless. Now I have got a code for you. So if you'd like to try Simprove, you can get 50%, that's a massive 50% of your first three month subscription by going on simprove.com and putting in the code Nikki50. That's N-I-K-K-I-5-0 or click in the link in the show notes. For me, going out and being in social situations that were particularly triggering before I'd actually kind of got my own head around this change, I think it would have been a little bit too much. Now, I did actually have my birthday in the first two weeks of the 100 days. So um, I did go out for my birthday. We do normally go away for my birthday. But because I had, uh, well, we got married um, abroad at the end of last year, we'd made the decision to not go away this year. And so my husband took me out for a lovely dinner and I drove and he had drinks. He had a couple of drinks. I mean, he's not a huge drinker anyway. And, you know, I'm not here to control anyone else's behavior. Um, And I was fine with that because it was just the two of us. There was no pressure. Um, And also not having to wait for a taxi in the UK weather in January um, was brilliant. So the decision to drive actually really benefited. Um, But I think if it was kind of a bigger occasion in those first two weeks, it it probably would have been a bit of a, a bit of a struggle and probably quite a challenge. So each to their own with this one, but I would say avoiding social occasions, maybe just for the first 30 days, just to get into kind of the swing of things yourself and get your head around um, this change. For me, that was definitely something that helped. So the next one kind of feeds into that a little bit and it's all around identity change and the language that you use. Now, this, again, doesn't just apply to cutting out alcohol. This could apply to stopping smoking, starting a fitness routine. It could be um, cutting down on sugar. There's so many 
habit changes that we make or behavior changes that we try and make in our lives that this is applicable to. But I think especially when you're talking to other people, it's really important to look at the language that you use. So saying I'm trying to cut down or I'm trying not to drink, it's kind of setting ourselves up so that if we, you know, don't succeed at that habit change, that it's almost like a bit of a get out to say, well, yeah, I was trying to do it. It didn't work. Whereas if you change that language to I'm not drinking right now or um, I've gone sober or I'm no longer drinking or I'm doing 100 days without alcohol, that in itself is a really powerful mindset change for yourself. But it also is a really powerful use of language when you're talking to other people because it instills in them more of a sense of confidence that this is more of a commitment from you. Um I mean, I'm quite lucky that I haven't got that many people in my life that have tried to sway me from this. But I've spoken to loads of people where if they've said to their friends, oh, I'm trying not to drink, they'll say things like, oh, go on, just have one and then you can, you know, go on to alcohol free or just have one shot or, you know, essentially trying to challenge them. So I think if you're really kind of steadfast in your decision and you really want to stick to it, Changing your language and by doing that, essentially changing your identity at its very core to being somebody who is not a drinker or not a drinker right now is really powerful. So I would definitely advise you to look at the language that you're using and that's with, you know, overtly and externally to other people but also when you're referring to yourself or, or kind of the thoughts um, around the behavior change when you're thinking of it yourself. Now, the next one is a concept that I wasn't really that familiar with before I joined the Facebook group that I was telling you about, um, but it's something called Play It Forward. And it's essentially playing forward the scenario in your head whether you, I guess, drink or don't drink. So whether you, um, you know, have one set of uh, behaviours or another. So for me, that looks like if I've made plans the next day, for instance, looking at, well, if I have these drinks, what's likely to happen? I'm probably going to want to drink some more. That's probably going to go on until, you know, midnight or beyond probably going to cancel my plans tomorrow and it just wipes out the next day. I mean, I don't know that many people my age, kind of mid to late 30s, that don't struggle with really, really awful hangovers the day after a big night. Even just a few drinks. If I've had two glasses, large glasses of wine, I can feel it the next day. So playing it forward and looking at the scenarios of if I don't drink, I'm going to wake up fresh I'm going to commit to my plans and stick to them. I'm going to have a great day. It's going to be productive. Um, I'm not going to be a letdown versus if I do drink, what will happen? It's having that moment of stopping and thinking and actually looking at something consciously rather than just engaging in the behavior subconsciously and actually that pattern interrupt can just make you think twice 
in the first place. I mean, who wants to be hanging out their asshole having committed to a morning gym session with a mate or breakfast with the family? So play it forward, think how you want to feel, and normally that's enough to kind of make you think twice. So the next one, again, wasn't actually my own tip, but it's definitely something that I am uh, in agreement with. And that is not having any other big life changes, certainly big life changes that are in your control at the same time that you're trying to change another behavior. So that could be things like um, changing jobs. It could be things like entering into a new relationship. It could be a house move. Essentially, you're trying to create as much stability in other areas of your life so that you are setting yourself up for success so that this is the only big change that you're making at that point. And obviously, there's going to be things that, you know, come up out of our control from time to time. There's going to be things that we, you know, we're just unforeseen. But I think with this one, it's really important to try and reduce the stress in your life and the events that might trigger stress and therefore that you're going to react to by wanting to reach for a drink. You see it in like films and movies all the time and they kind of glamorize it and it it just pissed me off to be fair because, you know, somebody will come home from work and kick off their shoes and grab a beer to relax. Somebody will grab a glass of wine or, you know, if they're super hardcore, it'll be scotch on the rocks. But, you know, those aren't, aren't the only ways to relax and think just by reducing your stress levels and not introducing other big life changes or events at the same time is definitely setting yourself up for the best success. So what I thought was number nine, which is actually number eight, is leaving events when you've had enough. And also, I think I'll just add on to that as well. That for me, that is certainly in the first first few weeks is not committing to being the designated driver for everybody as well. So the bonus of not drinking if you do drive is that you can leave events when you want. You can leave social occasions when you've had enough. And whilst it might be tempting to nominate yourself as the group's nominated um, or designated driver, that to ensure that you aren't tempted to drink is a great thing. But also it does mean that you have to stay there um, until everybody else is ready to leave. And trying to get drunk people to leave a social occasion is a little bit like herding cats and trying to get them to do that when you're sober can be really bloody annoying so I think if you're trying to stay strong in your sobriety being everyone else's designated driver is great but for the first part at least I would probably try not to commit to that because then you've got the flexibility to leave when you want you can do a backdoor boogie and, you know, waking up fresh the next day with everybody else's um, texts telling you how hanging out of their arse they are, um, it's a pretty smug feeling, I won't lie. So I think trying to 
set yourself up for success again and being able to leave those events when you want, letting your friends know that you, you know, may leave or not. You know, you don't have to tell people in advance. I know there's been occasions where it's been, you know, someone's birthday or a specific event um, where you might just want to, you know, let them know that you might not be there all evening. But having the ability to just go is a really great thing. And then maybe when you've got a bit stronger in your sobriety or you're a bit further along in your journey and you do feel comfortable, you can be everyone's designated driver. Um, but yeah, for me, just having that ability to leave when I wanted um, was really important and and still is now. And then the final one that I'd pre-prepared is just start. The amount of times that I've heard from people, oh, I can't start, you know, I've, I've got my friend's wedding next month or, oh, it's it's my mum's birthday or, oh, it's my dad's auntie's pet goat's bomb. It's for, <laughs> um, there's always going to be a reason why it's not ideal to start. There's never going to be the perfect time. Life will happen. Social occasions will happen, whether you're sober or not. And so you just need to get used to it. Or, you know, you can cancel or say no to things if you don't feel like you're going to be able to go and not get triggered or not be swayed. Um, you know, I think sometimes you just have to weigh up what's more important. But honestly, just starting is the best thing that you can do and I promise you you're not going to regret it I've never met anybody that has embarked upon this journey or or cut back on alcohol and said that they regret it every single area of my life improved everything and yeah it's just a case of starting it really is um there's never going to be the ideal time and life's going to happen and sometimes you just have to prioritize and decide what is more important to you. And then number 10, which I'm going to add now because I do think that it's a really important one, is try and build up your network of support. Now, this is a whole episode again. I'm going to get um, probably a guest speaker on to talk about this because I think it's an absolute minefield. And I know it really does depend on your circumstances and it does depend on, you know, whether your family are heavy drinkers, whether your friendship groups are heavy drinkers. Um, I'm fortunate that I've got a couple of friends that are also um, experiencing or, or embarking on more of a sober lifestyle. Um, I'm also really fortunate that a lot of people in my life are a similar sort of age to me and starting to think about cutting down on alcohol or starting to just become a little bit more aware of the impact that alcohol has on their lives. So I've had quite a lot of support. However, there's definitely people in my life for whom this is never going to be something that they're going to be interested in. And maybe, you know, whether they know it or not, there are comments made. There are things that are inadvertently, inadvertently? No, inadvertently or passively, aggressively said, which, you know, aren't that supportive. But then it's not necessarily going to be the immediate circle of people in your life or the people that you're in touch with, you know, day to day. So co-workers, family, 
immediate friends that are going to be the best support. And like I said, I've joined and actively seeked out um, Facebook and social media groups. I now follow people on um, Instagram and on social media platforms that are sober accounts. And just finding those like-minded people makes you feel less alone and gives you that kind of strength and support in times where you are feeling a bit weaker or there are things, you know, maybe you're going to an occasion that you haven't done sober before and you're not quite sure how to navigate that and it really does help. So getting a good support system around you, um, you know, reach out to me. There's so many ways and means of finding people that are outside of your immediate circle. Don't make it a reason not to start just because the other people around you aren't willing to do this or aren't looking to do this or it's just not something that they, um, you know, want to embark upon at the moment. I feel like I've used the word embark a lot. <laughs> but yeah, that is that is honestly probably one of the best tips that I have is that support is honestly, it's, it's just... You, you can't understand how important it is, especially at the first part. And I say especially at the first part. I know people that have been sober for years and they still reach out to those groups for support. And if you are more um, on the scale of alcohol dependency, then, you know, professional support, medical support, AA, I know lots of people that have really benefited from more structured support and structured groups. Um, but if, like me, it's just more of a um, a lifestyle change and something that you know that is going to benefit you, then yeah, just getting people around you that are going to help you and gonna you can lean on is um, is so important and so crucial. And um, you won't realise how important it is until you find them. Um, and often they'll become lifelong friends as well, which is is just great. So those are my tips. Um, again, if anybody wants to um, chat about anything, if you want to um, reach out for advice or you've got comments, anything that you want covered in future episodes, um, then please do reach out. My personal Instagram inbox is always open and um, so is the Instagram inbox for the podcast, which is at Hello Sunday Pod. And um, if you keep listening at the very end, there is also um, the email address as well that you can email into. So thank you so much. And I hope you all have a great week. And I really look forward to um, coming back into your ears for the next episode. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Hello Sunday Pod, or you can email us on Hello Sunday Pod at Outlook.com. Have a great week.